Welcome to episode 106 of the Gluns for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lepore and Anthony Bruno. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. Some big news in mm-hmm. Leafland. The Toronto Maple Leafs have a new general manager, and his name is Brad Treliving. It uh, was a... Very emotional time for the Leafs organization, Leaf fans, when they fired Kyle Dubas. No one knew the direction of the club, what Shanahan was going to do. It just, it felt like a really weird time, but it feels like things are are finally falling into place now. And it happened pretty quickly, honestly. So Treliving is the guy. He's coming in. We are going to give you our thoughts and opinions on the Leafs' new general manager. We are also going to talk about Kyle Dubas joining the Pittsburgh Penguins as their new president of hockey operations. And then, of course, we are also going to preview and give our official predictions for the Stanley Cup final between the Vegas Golden Knights and Florida Panthers. But before we get into all that, it is officially time to welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lepore. How you doing, man? Always doing well while we're recording a pod, Anthony Bruno. Uh, new era for Toronto Maple Leafs and the Toronto Maple Leafs fans. Let's hope it's not another era of misery as Bradshaw Living comes in with the belt to lead the way. Uh, like you said, man, things feel like they're kind of coming into place for Leafs and Leafs fans. And you tell me, Bruno, I feel like the tension has kind of subsided a bit for Leafs fans. Like I know almost as time's moving forward, I'm seeing the opinions kind of gradually get softer as everyone gets that loss out of their system. What do you think? Couldn't agree more. I think emotions were really high and there were some really tense times right after the Leafs got eliminated by the Panthers and people were freaking out saying, blow up the core four, trade this guy, trade that guy, fire Sheldon key, fire Kyle Dubas. I mean, takes Mm. were coming from left, right and center. But I think, you know, I think you're right. I think everyone's kind of calmed down. We've all taken a deep breath. And now we're ready to attack this new era with Treliving yeah. at the helm. Yeah. All right, man. Let's uh, let's just jump right into it. Yeah. So as I said, like, no one really knew like a week ago what was going to happen here. Like, <laughs> what direction were the Leafs going to go? Now, Shanahan did give us a hint. He said that he wanted an experienced guy. But then again, it's like, did we trust Brendan Shanahan when he said that? I mean, not necessarily because it almost felt like some sort of shady things may have been happening behind the scenes. Like just the whole, the whole process with Dubis and Shanahan and the back and forth and how it all fell apart at the 11th hour. It just didn't sit right with a lot of people in Leafs nation. So you didn't really know what to believe, honestly, but Shanahan was true to his word. He wanted someone experienced. He brings in Brad Living, who was the GM of the Calgary Flames for nine seasons. They made the playoffs in five of the nine seasons with him at the helm. You know, I can go through all his trades and the best moves he made and the worst moves, and we'll get into some of that. But, Lapore, just your initial thoughts on the Leafs making this hire. Because from my perspective, of all the experienced guys who were available, I think it's clear, and I even felt this way when we recorded the last show, that true living of that group was the best option. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of funny when you're looking when you're looking at evaluations of a GM hiring. Everyone's got their opinions on Twitter, trashing this GM, trashing that GM. But when you step back and actually look at the, a situation like this, well, anyone that's available 
either doesn't have any experience or was fired. There's never this, or very rarely, this hotshot guy you stole. I mean, I guess we were excited with Brian when Brian Burke came in because of all the momentum. And uh, Dubas kind of came through the minors with us to become GM. But it was going to be a guy who had a track record of, I hate to say failure, but at the end of the day, when a GM in an organization part ways, it's not a good thing. But with Treliving, I mean, he's got the experience, like Shani said, so off we go. I think it's tough. And again, we're seeing a lot of it on Twitter. I don't like when people go through a GM's track record of deals because we'll look at Kyle Dubas as an example. We could look at the list of deals he made good ones, bad ones, debatable ones. And part of the reason why he's no longer general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs is because he wanted more power. We know that now. So then it makes you wonder, well, within those deals he made, how much power did he actually have? And how many deals got pushed to him? How many deals that he wanted to do got axed? So I think it's unfair to point to a general manager and say, look at this deal he made. What an idiot. There are outside influences to the to, to the ends of the earth, things that we don't know about. But as far as True Living goes and the media conference today, there there were three things that jumped out to me. And I never like to go too deep into what's said in the media by players and coaches and GMs and presidents because it's all PR. They're all there to say the right thing. And Trilliving even kind of joked about that today, saying everyone comes in here saying, oh, it's the Leafs, right? And of course, you got to say that because of the environment. But the first thing I liked was he made the point to say that talent is really hard to find. So as much as that's true... It applies to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I'm not going to say there was some underlying thing here, but what he plans to do with the core four. But it gives me some peace knowing that he's aware of this situation and he can't just give some somebody away. And then on that topic, he followed it up but say, by saying that being different doesn't necessarily make you better. So while we everyone will trade Nylander, well, that doesn't necessarily make us better. Right. And we've all we've had that opinion here on this podcast where people say, oh, Marner makes too much. You should have one forward and one defenseman. Well, does a lesser forward and an average defenseman make you better? Maybe. But you don't know for sure. And the third thing he said that I really appreciated was and it's funny because it kind of ties away from the first two points is it's about the Leafs. Every move I make, every decision I make and the authority I can push has to do with the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's not about the players. There's no relationships here. We often joke about the Toronto Maple Leafs and how they're run like a corporation. So again, I appreciated him saying this is about the Toronto Maple Leafs and this is about us getting to the next level. I thought his press conference was phenomenal and I expected nothing less because I've seen plenty of Bradshaw living press conferences during his time as Flames GM. He's very well-spoken. Yeah, He's well-composed. He's intelligent. He's articulate. He knows what he's doing. And I think I think that's very important to have all of those qualities, especially when you have this sort of job. Like this is a high profile job. Again, like we were talking about this on the last show, and there were so many haters that were clapping back at us in the comments. Tre Living said it himself. Like I heard his interview on TSN radio as well. And he said, like, it felt different. When I walked into the building and you see the logo on the floor in the dressing room. And they're walking you through and you're meeting other people in the organization. 
He's like, it just feels different. He's like, no disrespect to the places I've been in the past, but he said, you know, and he says that he's not an emotional guy, but it really hit him hard today. Like, wow, I am the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs now. Like this is, this is next level. And again, not that his job in Calgary was some, you know, low tier (laughs) job. Like he was the GM of a Canadian NHL team. Like that's one of the most high profile jobs in the league. And now this is taking it to the next level. And again, you can joke all you want about the Leafs not winning anything in the last, what is it now, 56 years? Who's counting? <laughs> so, but anyway, no, I, I, what I loved is what you mentioned there, Lapore. He said that there's already a lot of talent on this team and he is not going to come in here and make a move for the sake of making a move. And I love to hear that because as much as Leaf fans think that this core is broken and they can't win anything, this is a team that has made the playoffs seven consecutive years since Matthews, Marner, and Nylander had their rookie seasons in the NHL. That is unprecedented. These guys are all still in their mid-20s. Nylander is one year older than Matthews and Marner. They're all 25, 26. I know John Tavares is in his 30s now. Think about Alexander Ovechkin. He made it out of the second round once, once in his entire career, and that was the year the Capitals won the Stanley Cup. So Treliving was preaching this. He's like, you have to put your team in a position every year to knock on the door, knock on the door, knock on the door. And then you hope one of those years, things fall into place and you're able to win. And I know Leaf fans have heard the same song and dance forever, going back to the Dubas era and before that. It's like, no, we have the talent in place. Like, eventually we're going to break through. But that's what Treliving was preaching. He said, this is a good team. And he even said, like, Sheldon Keefe is a good coach. He's like, the last two seasons, the Leafs were 115-point and 111-point team. And he goes, I'm not coming in with any preconceived notions about Sheldon Keefe. Like, I'm coming in here, and I think he's a good coach, and I'm going to talk to him, and we're going to go through the process, and I'm going to make my decision in terms of, you know, whether I got to move on from him or not. But it seems like he's going to stick with the core four. He's going to stick with Sheldon Keefe. And it seems like he's really going to take a patient approach here. And he's not just going to blow up the team because, you know, Billy Bob 64 on Twitter wrote a thread and says that the Leafs should trade Austin Matthews and, and Mitch Marner. Yeah. Did you see here? Here is the point he made. I think it came up when someone brought up the Kachuk trade and I forget exactly how we worded it, but he, what he said was you don't trade a talented player who's in his mid in mid twenties. So yes. I was like, Hmm, Hmm. Like, making a point there, eh, Brad? Um, but also with regard to Treliving, I mean, if you look at this job he's walking into, and even beyond it being the Toronto Maple Leafs, ha ha ha, uh, a major franchise, it's a pretty good spot to be in. And even beyond this team, like you just said, Bruno, you're coming into a situation where this team had 115 points, then had 111 points, Okay. So he's coming into a good team. He's coming into a team with talent and he's coming into a team that has assets. If he wants to make major change, I mean, barring how much authority he has, he has assets to make big moves. So like, that's a positive. Then you brought up Sheldon Keefe. And again, it goes with these players as well. He's got a leash. He's got a leash in this situation. Like again, as you calm down and the day the season ended, everyone's like, Keefe's gone. Everyone's reactions. Keith's Even gone. I thought, I thought Keefe's days were numbered as well, but before I heard Treliving talk today, me, 
Me too. So if now if you're true living coming into this situation, why would you not at least see how it goes, see the environment and you have another coach in your back pocket. You're allowed one, two, whatever firings people want to say. So that's a plus for this position. And then there is the topic of the core four. If he gives another shot to the core four, he can do that. This wasn't his team. I wanted to see what I can do. And then he can make a move if he wants. Exactly. He's not like, he's not the blow this thing to smithereens. So it's a pretty ideal situation for GM to be walking into. And I made the point earlier about how when you're searching for a GM, it's typically someone, the, the list of candidates are people who don't have experience or who recently got fired. Well, usually you're going into a bad situation or, I mean, the best situation we'd say is like a blow up situation where you can start from scratch. It's not too often where you go into a situation like this where this is a team that's made the playoffs every year and they're just trying to get to that next phase. And there's a pretty objective uh, outlook on this team with regard to how much talent's on the roster. Yeah. He talked about how excited he is for all the points that we just mentioned, right? Like this is not a team that has been scratching and crawling, trying to get into the playoffs and a team that is lacking star level talent, a team that, you know, has a, a head coach who's a complete disaster and is, isn't getting, getting along well with the players. Like it's, it's pretty much an ideal situation across the board for a new GM. And he even mentioned when he took the job in Calgary, he inherited Bob Hartley Mm. as his head coach and he did not fire him. And I believe Bob Hartley won coach of the year. He said that that he did that first year that Treliving was the GM of the Calgary Flames. So maybe that's an indication that he is going to keep Sheldon Keefe And then that gives him a bullet in the chamber, right? Because he could play it out for the season and go, okay, I gave Keith a chance. It didn't work out. You know, I've changed my mind now. I'll fire him. That's my first bullet, right? Sure. And then he's got the other bullets, as you mentioned, with the core four. He's like, wait, hold on a second. I'm not trading any of these guys. These are four elite players. Maybe maybe John Tavares isn't elite anymore. I think we can all agree on that. But you have three elite players, all 25 and 26 years old. Treliving's like, hold on a second. There's like how many teams in the NHL that could say that five, maybe five teams that have like three players under the age of 27 that are this talented, that have made this many first team all-stars and won part trophies and rocket Richards and up for the Selkie. Like this is a rare situation. He's, he's thinking, why the hell am I going to get rid of any of these guys? Let's wait. Let's be patient. Let's see what I can do. Let's see how I can build around them. And then from there, whether it's a year or two years down the line, then he can make a decision to blow it up. And he mentioned another thing. He's like, these guys are all young men. He goes, it's not like these guys are 28, 29. He mentioned, he's like, he said he was talking to Shanahan. And he goes, Shanahan told me he didn't win his first cup until he was like 28 or 29 years old. Yeah, Like that's another thing that we, we still do not put into perspective is how young Matthews, Marner, and Nylander actually are. And I know there's rare cases with, Crosby winning his first cup. I think he was like 21 and the same with cave or Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, but that doesn't happen with every team. All right. It it just doesn't happen. Those are rare cases. And this is still a young Leafs team. And I think they just got to keep knocking on the door every year. And even though Leaf fans might be pissed off and they're saying, I'm not going to watch the team this year. It's going to be the same shit. They're going to get into the playoffs. They're going to have have home ice advantage and then losing the first round. But according to Brad for living, He wants to keep this going, and I don't think he has any intention of blowing the team up again because people are telling him to blow it up. 
It's time for a quick break because Father's Day is right around the corner and I know you haven't gotten your dad anything yet. But don't worry, that's where Manscaped comes in. You and I both know he needs some serious grooming in his life. So grab your dad the Performance Package 4.0 and he'll thank you for helping him tame his beast. It's a win-win situation for both mom and dad. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping. Lapore, everyone's got to do the right thing. Get the products to their dads or even for themselves. Look better, feel better, and perform better. Yeah, let's be honest, everyone. You don't want to give your dad a crappy, boring gift on Father's Day that every dad gets. It's, you know, a baseball glove or a cologne. Shock them. Get some shock value here. Go to manscaped.com. Throw some items in your cart. Use the promo code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping and make your dad the happiest father on Father's Day. I promise you will not be disappointed by the reaction when your father opens (laughs) up that gift and he sees a ball trimmer. It's worth it right there. He sees a ball trimmer as his Father's Day gift. Not those, you know, lame traditional gifts that everyone else gets their father on Father's Day. Get him a ball trimmer. Get him the weed whacker. Get him anything from the Manscaped website. They have amazing products. And like I said, you're going to look good, feel good, and perform good. So once again, get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using the promo code GFP20. That is 20% off and free shipping using the promo code GFP20 at manscaped.com. What do you think? We just talked about the things he can kind of delay with. What is the thing full stop that he has to take care of right away? And I mean, everyone's screaming the Matthews contract. It's like, yeah, but that's maybe the most important thing he's going to have to deal with. But Matthews doesn't have to sign right away. Is there anything that jumps out to you that is like, wow, Brad has to take care of this in a hurry? Yeah, I would have said Austin Matthews because that's obviously the most obvious thing. And he even mentioned that in his press conference. He's like, the first order of business here is talking to Austin Matthews, making sure he's on board and hopefully signing him to a long-term extension. But, you know, removing myself from thinking about anything to do with the core four, you could look at maybe the Matt Murray contract. Yeah, that's probably the main thing. Like, how the hell do you get this off the books? Because that is a huge roadblock in terms of if you want to really build around the core four and put good supporting pieces in place, that contract has got to go. Yeah, I was going to say the Murray deal. <laughs> yeah. I was I was kind of hoping to come out with a surprise and be like the Murray deal. And then <laughs> you beat me to it. But yeah, it would just open up things and it'd be kind of be an uh an opportunity for Leafs fans just to breathe out and just be rid of that situation. The Mur- the Murray, like, man, Mur- someone should write a book about Murray, Matt Murray and his career, how he just came out like a bat out of hell. And I remember, you know, you see those Team Canada predictions on TSN and Sportsnet. He was always there. He- here's this young kid who's got two Stanley Cups. You think he's going to be the long to- long-term goalie in Pittsburgh. They let go of Flurry because of him. They exposed him in the draft and lost him. And then just year by year by year. And the thing is, like, because hockey's so stupid, as we always say, there's that thing you hold on to. So he wasn't good his last couple of years in Pittsburgh. He goes to the Sens and you're thinking, okay, young, upcoming, talented team. He should be motivated. And heck, this guy's won two Stanley Cups. 
So yeah, positive vibes. Like, man, he, he can turn this around. He'll turn it around. He doesn't. He was a disaster in Ottawa. They hate him in this city everywhere I go. <laughs> and then he comes to Toronto. And here we were. I remember people were pretty pissed off at the return or the just the trade, I, I will say. Because we thought we were going to get something greater for taking him on. But again, you look and you're like, wow, okay, he does have experience. Maybe he just needs a better opportunity. And no, he's flopped again. And we can debate and talk about how much it has to do with health. But I don't know, man. If we can blast Murray into the sun, if you had to bet right now, is he getting another contract in the NHL? That's not like a million dollar, a one-year deal at a million dollars. I think he's going to get another NHL contract, but I agree. I And it's not even based on his talent. The guy can't stay healthy to save his yeah. life. I cannot see him getting more than like a million, a million and a half bucks on like a one or two year deal. Like look at mm. Ilya Samsonov, right? First round pick, hot shot prospect. You know, his career falls apart in Washington and all of a sudden he's signing a one year deal in his mid 20s. So with Murray, yeah, I mean, if that guy can't prove that he can stay healthy, I can't see him signing for anything more than $2 million on a short-term deal with his next team. Yeah, maybe we see uh, see Murray playing for St. Petersburg in a hurry. Actually, with, 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 with what's going on. Yeah, well, with what's going on over there, maybe uh, Sweden or uh, Switzerland or Germany is a better opportunity than the KHL. It's just it's too bad, honestly, how the Murray situation played out. But is there is there anything else that you think he has to really you know, fix immediately. Cause obviously like, okay, there's the core four, but there's 10 unrestricted free agents on this team as well. So he's got a lot of work to do because one of the things that Kyle Dubas did so well was finding those bargains, those, those players who didn't quite pan out, you know, with their first teams and they became unrestricted free agents at 25 because they weren't, tendered a qualifying offer. He was notorious for grabbing guys like that, giving them a second chance. He was really good at that. So now Treliving kind of has to do the same thing where he's got to go digging for value here. And I think that's that's almost tougher than, than you know, making a big trade or, or, or grabbing a star player. Yeah, especially with, like you said, Kyle Dubas being really good at that. So our expectations are high. You know, here, here comes our ego. We're the Toronto Maple Leafs. You should be able to convince guys to come here a la cheap or convince guys that it's a good opportunity to boost their career a la cheap. So we'll see. I mean, the lineup is going to look different. I don't think Leafs fans realize how different this lineup is going to look. And that should be a motivating factor for true living because even if he doesn't move a major piece, he can really put his stamp on the team. But he, that's a lot of work, man. And free, free agency is coming fast so he has to get on the phone quick with agents and players to figure out for the players who still or still the players who are free agents and are tied to the lease if they want to stay and what they want to sign for and then how do we fill in the spots with the uh um, regarding the guys who leave before we move on from Treliving Lapore, i want to ask you this Oh, Are we you go. concerned at all with anything from his past in terms of the moves that he has made? Now, listen, I think he's made some really like he's drafted well. Like I can go through some of the notable draft picks that this guy's made. Like it's actually pretty impressive. He drafted Sam Bennett in 2014, Rasmus Anderson in 2015, Andrew Mangiapane, 
Matthew Kachuk, and he drafted Adam Fox mm-hmm. out of college who did not want to sign with Calgary. Then he had to trade Adam Fox to uh, Carolina, and then he didn't want to sign in Carolina. Then Adam Fox ended up becoming a New York Ranger and winning the Norris Trophy. Yeah. He's got a pretty good track record of, of drafting well. In terms of some of the things he's done bad, and listen, I do not want to classify the Kachuk to the Panthers for Huberto and McKenzie Weger trade is a bad trade because yeah. first of all, the flames had a better season than the Florida Panthers, even though they didn't make the playoffs. Just, I think they finished with like one more point than Florida they did. They did. and literally like it was the opposite end of the spectrum for both teams in terms of outcomes for that trade. Like you mm-hmm. had Kachuk <clears throat> getting to the cup final and scoring all these game winning goals and having a hundred point season again. And then you had Jonathan Huberto getting his ice time slashed, going from 115 points to a 60-point player. It was like opposite ends of the spectrum. The Flames, I think, are going to bounce back. I think Huberto is going to have a great year. I think the Flames are going to make the playoffs next year. But thinking about some of the contracts he signed, he signed Huberto to a monster extension up to, like, what, his age 37 or 38 season. Same Mm -hmm. with Nazem Kadri. Blake Coleman, he gave him a big contract after coming up to... That's probably his worst one. Two yeah. cups with the uh, with the lightning. Um, there's there's a couple other ones I'm forgetting as well. Mackenzie Weger, signed uh, he signed him to an extension. So like, are you worried about some of the decisions that he's made in the past and that like trickling into his new job here in Toronto? Yeah the the hot topic on Twitter was going through these lists and a lot of people were pointing out that. He gives extensions to guys on the wrong side. In today's NHL, it's not the wrong side of 30. It's the wrong side of 25, giving them these uh, these long extensions. And also extension to, extensions to guys who aren't top six forwards or aren't top two defensemen. So, you know, like, why, why are you doing that? So I'd be lying if I said it doesn't make me a little anxious, but I'm a Maple Leafs fan. I'm good at that, at being anxious. <laughs> but as I said before, I'm not going to judge specific deals. I'm going to give any GM a clean slate. There's also the matter of influence, right? I mean, we can trash Dubas and moves he made, but there was a lot of good he did. And there was a lot of good he did with regard to the culture of the organization and the staff. Here you have Trilliving coming in. Just based on the surrounding parties, his ego just can't run wild. He's Brendan Shanahan. He had Brendan Shanahan today sitting to his right. And then you have Brandon Pridham, who wrote the salary cap. And then you have Haley Wickenheiser, the Gretzky of women's hockey. So I'm sure these people have learned from their previous surroundings and even with their time with Kyle Dubas, because we all know Dubas didn't do those deals. He was very good at that. So am I concerned? I mean, again, it's not ideal to see these deals thrown in your face of um, uh, of what this guy gave away. But at the same time, I'm going to give him a clean slate. Because it's a new city, it's a new team, it's a new opportunity. And like I said, there's all those outside influences influences helping him with these decisions. And thinking about all those contracts that were recently signed, by the way, in Calgary. Like, this is a guy who was in his ninth season as GM. He was in a very difficult spot. Now, they let Gaudreau walk in free agency, which was a mistake. But Matthew Kachuk came to them early requested a trade they made it happen he got the best return possible 98 percent of the hockey community thought that that was a great trade for oh, it was amazing when it was trade. made amazing. and you're a, an absolute liar 
if you're saying that you knew that that was going to be a bad trade, like yeah. that is total you going back into the past. And th- th- that's just, that's just bullshit. All right. Like no one thought that that was a bad trade for the Calgary flames, but he yeah. signed all those deals. Cause I mean, he, he probably thought like, all right, this is it. This is the team. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be here. I just made this massive trade. We got a pretty good team in place. And then it all went to shit with Daryl Sutter and the players hated his guts. And now he's out and Treliving's out. I just think it was like a unique situation. And I don't think he signed those contracts thinking like, these are all great contracts. Like all these guys signed into their mid to late thirties. I don't think he was thinking like that. I think it was more of like a short-term mindset from his perspective. I think he's smart enough to avoid maybe those same mistakes here in Toronto, but we'll see. I mean, the guy's also made some nice moves too. Like he traded for Tyler Toffoli at the deadline in 2022 when he traded Dougie Hamilton and actually Adam Fox was a part of that deal as well to Carolina. He got Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin who are very important players for the flames. He's, he's done some really good things. So I think all in all, Lepore, I'm, I'm completely cool with this guy as the new GM. I think he's going to do a good job. I think he's got, he's got experience. I like, Another thing I like that he said is that it's all about relationship building, his relationship with the star players, with the staff, and the whole team in general, not just the star players, right? Like, he wants to create a good culture here. I think he's got, he's coming in with a level head. He's not going to blow up the team. He's not going to make some splashy move just to get on the front page of a newspaper. I shouldn't say the newspaper, like to get on the front page of a, of a blog. Or a yeah. website, that's what I should say, not the newspaper. <laughs> say your age, Bruno. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I saw... Listen, I'm happy. I'm happy with the move. And a couple of weeks ago, no one was really sure how this was going to pan out. But after hearing True Living talk and letting the dust settle on the season, I'm a happy camper right now, Lapore. Say so you're optimistic? I'm optimistic. Okay, that's fair. I said, I said a few shows ago, I'm done being optimistic with this team. So I'm just sitting here staying neutral. Okay. Well, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, we'll see what he does. Show right? me. I mean, there's a big month coming up here. Free agency, the draft, and Treliving is going to be restricted when it comes to the yeah. draft because of his contract with Calgary. Like at this point, I, he can't attend the draft. It's a weird situation. I don't know what's going to stop bull- him. That's bullshit. That's one of those things where you question why are there these rules? Because yeah, like he's not going to use what he knows and spill it to somebody else to benefit the team. He now manages like, give it's, me a break. It's but. the stupidest thing. And you're telling me this guy can't send a text or yeah. he can't make a phone call during the draft. And, and be like, know. Hey, like I'm, I'm a big fan of this player. Like if we're deciding between player a and B, like take player a, like you're telling me he can't communicate that. From yeah. his house or yeah, wherever the, the hell he's going to be. The genius is on Twitter. How is he going to make trades? At the dr- I'm like, oh my God. You guys really saying this? It's the it's year tech- 2023. Yeah, come on. He'll be on Zoom on the computer on Brendan's laptop right in front of him. <laughs> All right, Lapore. So you're staying neutral. I'm optimistic. Yep. I'm usually optimistic. Um, yeah. That's why everyone loves you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. I think it's the yeah. other way around yeah. on this podcast. I think I'm the... Uh, I'm the villain of the podcast most of the time. Well, especially to Oilers and Flames and Habs and Senators fans. But anyway, I digress, Lapore. Let's move on now to Kyle Dubis. Sure, Kyle. So this is also massive news in the hockey world. 
It happened one day apart. Treliving was named GM of the Leafs. And then the next day, Kyle Dubas named the president of hockey operations for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And they had their press conferences, their introductory press conferences on the exact same day. It's just funny how that works out. But Bravo. my initial take on the situation, Lapore, is that Kyle Dubas knew exactly what he was doing. And now the situation has become a lot clearer. It is 100% clear to me that this guy knew that he had this opportunity in his back pocket. And I think that's why he pushed the envelope a little bit and tried to push his, push his luck and get a little bit more money and ask for more autonomy from Brendan Shanahan. Because I think he knew that the Penguins were pursuing him. And there were rumors like going back a month, two months yep. ago that the Penguins were interested in Dubis. Funny, as soon eh? as they cleaned out their front office, like the first thing you heard in the media was Kyle Dubas to Pittsburgh. So I think he used that as leverage. And I think he was okay with not being the GM of the Leafs. And it all worked out for Mr. Kyle Dubas because he got a promotion. He probably got more money. And now he's in a pretty good situation as Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin's general manager. And I know the team has a, maybe a lot more work to do than the Leafs do, for example, but pretty good spot for Mr. Kyle Dubas. Yeah, and especially with the title president of hockey operations, people, of course, everyone's going to talk about Sid and Malkin and Sullivan and Latang and those names and say, you know, this team has to win now. And yeah, that's the goal. I'm sure Sid wants another cup or two or three before he retires. So there's the pressure with Kyle there, but he wouldn't have been given a, he would have been given that title unless a long term vision was in place for him with this organization the job itself in the short term i guess it's pretty similar to the situation he had in toronto his core pieces are there his stars are there and he was asked about them and he said i would bet on them so in typical kyle dubas fashion he's going to stick with his guns so he's got to fill out the rest so it's going to be interesting, interesting to see how it, it, it plays out and of course it's going to be fun because you're going to have the Dubas fans saying, I told you so every time he makes a good deal or something works out for the Penguins and you're going to have the Dubas haters screaming anytime a deal doesn't go their way. So if there's one thing, you know, if there's one thing this fan base needed is uh, to follow another GM <laughs> day in, day in, day out and judge all their moves just to make us feel good or bad about ourselves. But he's president of hockey operations for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I've been Pretty to Pittsburgh. Impressive. Yeah, man. I, I was in Pittsburgh a couple years back for a bachelor party. First time there. It's a cool town, man. It's a cool town. We uh, we stayed right by the Penguins Arena, the brand new arena. It's beautiful. Went down to uh, see a ball game, go see the Pirates. Beautiful, beautiful new park. It's not a big city, but it's not necessarily a small city either. And what everyone knows about Pittsburgh is even beyond them being successful, they love their teams. The Steelers are everywhere. Everyone loves the Penguins. It'd it actually be an interesting poll. And Penguins fans, if you're listening, comment down below or watching on YouTube. Of all the major American cities, like the point I always make about the Leafs, and here, come, here comes the hate rage again, is Toronto is not necessarily the biggest city in North America, but it's the biggest city in North America where the hockey team is the most important team. That's what I've always said. And that is an objective slam dunk truth, no matter how much people want to debate about that. In New York, 
the Knicks and the Yankees are more important than the Rangers, the Giants and the Jets. In LA, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even want to compare the Kings to the Lakers and the Dodgers. In Toronto, yeah. number one is the Maple Leafs. But as far as Pittsburgh goes, I mean, I would say that, I mean, they don't have a basketball team. I would say that, of course, I mean, everyone would agree the Steelers are prime 1A. But I think they, they really do love their Penguins. I mean, they've won. So, so that helps. Um, and maybe it doesn't matter to some GMs or other executives or players when they come into an organization, but it would for me. I'd want to go into a market where people want you to win. People care. And the point I always make is, and I've never really thought about it as far as executives go, I've always pointed to players, is that you get one career. One and you don't know how long it's going to be, would you not want to play in an environment where the arena is packed and people care? And we can talk about the importance of money and this and that and geography, time zones, Canada, tax, blah, 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 blah. But if, if it's not at the top of the list, it's got to be near the top of the list. Play in a market where people care. And in Pittsburgh, they care. So bravo, Kyle. You got a big position with a historic market in the National Hockey League and people care and there's a window now to win. So, I mean, there's nothing really you can argue against with that decision. And with the guys that are still there, Sidney Crosby, slam dunk Hall of Famer, same with Gino Malkin, Mike Sullivan, who's been one of the best coaches, you know, of the last 10 to 20 years. And Dubas even said it at the start of his press conference when he was introduced as president of hockey ops for the penguins, he said, my main goal right now is to have a short term vision for the future and surrounding the core of Crosby, Malkin and Latang with players who can help them win now, because clearly in his conversations with Crosby, like Crosby has no intention of just <laughs> retiring yeah. or suddenly becoming bad. Like Crosby's still like a 90 point player yeah. and like uh, he's still a phenomenal Two-way, 200-foot player who can put up 90 to 100 points. Yep. Like, don't get it twisted. He's still one of the best players in the world. So Duba said it. He's like, my my goal right now is to try to win in the short term while these guys are still here and under contract. But he said, I also have to have an eye on the future and building one of the best organizations in hockey. So it's a very enticing job. As you said, Lapore. it's a place where the fans really care about hockey. And yes, the Steelers are number one. But the Penguins, I think, are a very close second in that city. And I could be wrong. Maybe you can tell us otherwise if you're a Penguins fan or you live in Pittsburgh. But it's a great situation. Honestly, I think it worked out for everybody. Dubis got his promotion. He got more money, you would assume. Treliving goes from the Flames to the Leafs. He comes in with a lot of confidence and poise and experience. It seems like Shanahan's happy. The Leafs are happy. The Penguins are happy. And now we'll see how it all plays out in year one because 365 days from now, people might be losing their shit yeah. over some of the decisions that are made by both of these managers. Well, because for living's the GM, Dubas is the president. So I don't know. We'll see how that dynamic plays out as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, we'll judge them based on, on the decisions that they make over the next calendar year and more than that. And uh, that's what this is all about, isn't it? Yeah. As far as Crosby goes, it's funny. People sometimes, I mean, we're just used to athletes retiring in their mid to late thirties. Maybe they get to 40. So we just always kind of assume they're going to at that point. But like you said, Sid's still lighting it up. 
And he had 1,500 points this year. And you look at that list. I think he sits like 14th or 15th right now in NHL all-time scoring. And you look at the list, and he's not too far off really climbing up that list. I mean, maybe he can't get uh, to Yager because Yager's at like 1921 or something like 1921. Yeah, because Yager's right behind... Uh, Gretzky at this yeah point. Yager got Yager got second yeah, yeah. He, he caught Messier and then obviously Messier caught how um but yeah I mean Sid might retire I think it's it's a possibility to be like top five so and even that's a motivation too like we know Ovechkin's not gonna retire until he breaks Gretzky's record maybe Sid's kind of eyeing that like hey I want to be top five scorers in the history of the NHL Crosby right now 50 goals away from 600 yeah. As you said, he he just surpassed 1500 points. He has 1502 points. He's a he I think Crosby wants to climb up those leaderboards, man. This guy's not going anywhere anytime soon. This past season, 33 goals, 60 assists, 93 points and he played all 82 games. And let's keep in mind if the Pittsburgh Penguins did not lose to the Chicago Blackhawks late in the season, the Florida Panthers would not have made the playoffs and would not be in the Stanley Cup final and who knows how history would have played out? Yeah. Yes or no? Yes or no? He needs about 300 points to clip Marcel Dion at number five. Does he do it? Slam dunk. He I gets think so too. 300 points. Slam yeah, I dunk. I think so too. <laughs> he's not going anywhere, man. He's still in phenomenal shape. He he hasn't really... I mean, he's maybe lost a little bit of a step from his prime, but he's still a really good skater too. It's the best. So, Sid's the best, man. Sid's the best. Yeah. Sid, Sid's an absolute stud. You want to move on now to the to, to the cup final, Lapore? Sure, we'll just gradually move into the Stanley Cup final. Let's do it. Let's do it. Stanley Cup final, Vegas, Florida. What As a surprising Stanley Cup final. <laughs> Nobody had Florida making it this far. I'm sure there are people who had Vegas making it to this point. I mean, they were the number one seed in the Western Conference after all. It seems like they were the most overlooked number one seed in like NHL history. Like this team had 111 points. They had star players out of the lineup all year. Mark Stone, all the injuries he had, Jack Eichel, Shea Theodore, guys missed chunks of time. There was a a carousel in the goaltender position. Like they went through like five goalies this year. Now they have Aiden Hill who leads the playoffs in save percentage and even better save percentage than Sergei Bobrovsky at this point. This team is now fully healthy, and they look like an absolute juggernaut. And then you have Florida, who just keeps winning one-goal games. They're undefeated in overtime. Matthew Kachuk keeps scoring big game or big moment goals in the biggest games of the year. And Bobrovsky, according to MoneyPuck.com, leading the playoffs right now with 19.7 goals saved above expected. Insanity. So what are your initial uh, thoughts on this cup final before we get into our, our predictions, which we'll do in a little bit? Uh, it's fun. I mean, you've, you've stories, which I was hoping for is stories in a, uh, in a Stanley cup final. You have a goalie that's come out of absolutely nowhere and gone batcha crazy looking like Patrick Waugh, Marty Brodeur, Dominic Hasek all rolled into one. And it's an eight seed. So you can get on that train. And I'm sure a lot of people are just rooting for the eight seed to win because it'll be cool. And some people just cheer for chaos. 
And then on the other side, you have Vegas, a team that hasn't been afraid to make major moves to piss people off. They're a new franchise. It's kind of it was kind of funny with Vegas, and maybe it's tied into the whole culture of the city. I feel like everyone kind of liked Vegas right away. And you know, you see the kids around, you know, Vegas jerseys, Vegas hats. Even you'll meet random people. My favorite team is Vegas. I don't say people, I mean kids. These kids, I mean, they were good right away and they just picked a new teams and, and they were winning. So why not? But for a team to win the Stanley Cup in their sixth season in the league, that'd be cool. So that's another story. You have a lot of players people like and dislike on Vegas, like Stone and Pietrangelo now, Edmonton. You listening? How you feel about that guy right about now? Uh, Hill's an amazing story, too. Here's this team that was juggling goalies the last couple of years, and here's this kid playing amazing. So I'm looking forward to it. Am I looking forward to it more than any other Stanley Cup final? Mm, I'd be lying if I said the market's aren't kind of boring me a little bit, but, and I don't really have a, a dog in the fight that I'm really rooting for, but it'll be good. I think it'll be a long, hard fought series with a lot of turns, to be honest. Looking at the current betting lines, the Vegas golden Knights are a slight favorite to win the cup. They're a minus one thirty, while the Florida Panthers are plus one ten. and Lepore, me and you were kind of discussing this before we came on to record the podcast. Like, that's pretty absurd, honestly, that Vegas is only a minus 130 favorite right now because Very. it feels like Vegas has been the best team in the playoffs. Oh, like, yeah. I think if you asked any hockey fan who's been paying attention to the playoffs from game one of the first round until right now, I think they would all say that Vegas has been the better team, whereas Florida has made it to this point, winning a lot of one-goal games, getting phenomenal goaltending, scoring timely goals. And listen, both teams are kind of benefiting from the same things. Like to get to this point, you do need luck to go your way as well. Like you have to win a lot of one goal games. You most of the times need a goalie to stand on, on his head, except last season when we saw Darcy Kemper, win the Stanley Cup with like a 900 save percentage with Colorado, but just looking at some of the stats, the Vegas golden Knights have outscored their opponents by 25 goals at five on five in the playoffs. But one thing I do look at, Lepore, and I think this is why the betting lines are as close as they are, just looking at the lines to win the series. When you look at the expected goals, Vegas is only at a shade over 50% in expected goals for percentage, while the Panthers are at a shade over 46%. So according to to the numbers, just in terms of like shot share and scoring chances and things like that throughout the playoffs, Neither team has been that dominant. And again, I'm just looking at the stats and this doesn't tell the whole story, the expected goals and call me a nerd and say, none of this shit matters. I don't care what you say, but I think that's the reason why this series is priced as close as it is from a betting perspective. Is that expected goals? All situations or five on five? That's just at five on five. If I sort for all situations, Vegas is only at 50%. Yeah, that's shocking based on how many goals they've scored. And then when you sort for all situations in the playoffs, Vegas sitting at under 48% with expected goals for percentage and Florida under 46% in expected goals for percentage. So Vegas is 10th of the 16 teams and Florida is 14th out of 16 teams. Yeah, to be fair to uh, Vegas for the all situation stat, they had to face an Edmonton power play. 
But think of what you just said, Bruno. That was an absolute fucking protein shake for all the anti-advanced stats people saying, look who's in this Stanley Cup finals, everyone. Two teams that are not necessarily dominating play, getting the shot share, like you said. Awesome, man. Bring on the comments. Bring on the hate. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty cool to see. But it, what's weird is that like Vegas doesn't have great five on five numbers, but yet they've outscored their opponents 48 to 23 at five on five in the playoffs, which is absolutely absurd. So we'll see how this one plays out. Are you ready to give a prediction for the series? Yes, I am ready for my prediction of the 2023 Stanley Cup final. Anthony Let's Bruno. hear it. I think it is going to be a good one. I think you have an awesome clash of two teams, two different styles. I think you have two really good coaches. You have two goalies playing out of their minds. But, but I'm always going to go with talent. I'm always going to go with the team that's been more consistent over the course of long stretches of time. So I am going to say that in their sixth season in the National Hockey League, to make us all feel bad about ourselves and our favorite hockey teams, the Las Vegas Golden Knights are going to win the Stanley Cup in six games. I love it. I love it. Um, I'm pretty much on the same page as you, and I know there's some people yelling and saying, ah, again, they agree on the same thing. But listen, Vegas is the better team across yeah. the board. Yeah. All right. And I'm not going to discount Florida because I think they have, they low key like have a lot of talent on that roster. And obviously that has now, that has been shining through over the last six to eight weeks as they've made this playoff run. Like you go down the list of the Panthers, Barkov, Kachuk, Brandon Montour, Aaron Ekblad, Bobrovsky, Sam Bennett, like Listerinen, who's like, a really good depth player. He's still very early on in his career. Like they have some talent on that roster in Florida. I'm forgetting even Carter Verhage, who scored 40 goals this year. But when I just look at the machine of the Vegas Golden Knights and how they have just mowed through teams in these playoffs, they beat the Winnipeg Jets in five games. And then Edmonton, who people were just penciling into the Stanley Cup final. Laporte. Right. How many people penciled in Boston versus Edmonton in yeah. the cup final, like 90% cool. of people filling yeah. out playoff brackets. Edmonton comes in with this power play operating at like 57%. And they were scoring at will on the power play, honestly, in, in the second round against Vegas. And it still wasn't enough. Vegas took them out in six games. And then they get through Dallas in the conference finals, I think Vegas is a better team. I think they have more talent, despite all the talent that I mentioned on the on the on the Panthers roster. Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, Shea Theodore, Petrangelo, Marchesso, William Carlson, who's got like 10 goals in the playoffs. Yeah. Marchessault's been a point per game player. They got a lot, even like their bottom six, like they have guys that are that are putting up points and like it's like line after line after line. These guys are coming out and creating opportunities. It doesn't matter who's on the ice, bro. That uh, that fourth line they have is insane. Again, I mentioned watching teams or certain teams that make you feel bad about yourself. When you watch that fourth line and how much speed they have and the scoring chances they they create, you're like, like that's like our second line, <laughs> not not our fourth line, but impressive. And I think it's one of those cases with Vegas too, where they're in the West. They play late at night. 
They're not a Canadian market. They're not one of the traditional markets. So you don't watch them as much as you maybe should. And it was kind of funny. And here I am. I'm going to pump my tires a little bit. I was saying all year that as far as the betting markets were going, Vegas was the pick to win the Stanley Cup. Because all year they were top five in the standings and nobody was talking about them. So you got pretty good lines. I mean, all like you said, Edmonton, 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 and you understand it. You understand the hype because of the McDavid and Dreisaitl factor. But I'm not going to go as far as to say that Vegas has been disrespected all year, but they're showing everybody who they are now, regardless how you felt about them going into the playoffs. They've been the best team, like slam dunk, no doubt about it. They've been the best team. I think they they were disrespected all year, to be honest with you. Because again, even heading into the playoffs, they were the number one seed in the West and it felt like no one was really picking them to make it deep. Like maybe people had them in the conference finals, but not a lot of people thought this team was going to get to the cup final, let alone win the Stanley Cup. So I'm not going with Vegas in six, Lapore, because I think this series is going to be even shorter than that. I think Vegas is going to dispatch of the Florida Panthers in five games to win their first Stanley Cup in franchise history. I think the Bobrovsky fairy tale is over. Like another thing, like this Panthers team has been sitting now for a long time. Yeah, They swept Carolina. They've been sitting. They haven't been playing and sure they've been on the ice and they've been practicing. It's not the same, man. Like, I don't know the exact amount of days since they swept Carolina, but it's been a hell of a long time. And I think that's going to play a little bit of a factor that they're not going to be quite as sharp. And again, I don't put a lot of stock into that, but I think it will matter even to a small degree. And I just think they're going to run into a, a much better team that has that is deeper, that is faster. And I think really the only hope that the Panthers have in this series is Bobrovsky continuing his otherworldly play. And again, he's put up 19.7 goals saved above expected in 14 playoff games. That's insane. Yeah. Unless he continues to do that, I think this series is over in five. You got me excited there, Bruno, when you said Knights in I thought you were going to say four, man. I was getting ready for you I to call a sweep in the Stanley Cup final. Well, there was that stretch forever. where How many years in a row was it a sweep in the Stanley Cup finals? I'll have to go back to find the exact number. But yeah, like, who was it? Phil, uh, uh, Philly got swept. Philly, yeah, Philly got swept by Detroit, I believe, right? Yeah, Colorado Colorado swept Florida. It just kept going. It was, it was Yeah, it was like three, four years in a row. It was a sweep in the Stanley Cup final. But... Hopefully it's not a sweep. Hopefully we get some entertainment. We got hockey in June, so let's celebrate it. Yeah, no, it should be a great cup final. Like you said, a lot of storylines, a lot of like star players, even though it's not the greatest from like a market perspective, just thinking about the biggest markets that could be in this, in this series, but it's still, it, it, this is not the worst Stanley cup final. All right. There's, it could have been a lot worse than Vegas versus Florida. Mm. Lapore, is there anything else you want to get off your chest before we wrap up this podcast? No, I think I'm good. I think I just may, may have made a mistake, though. Did I say Jersey got swept? It was the opposite. Jersey swept Detroit. I think I may have said Jersey got swept. Jersey swept Detroit when Detroit was heavy favorite in 95. But I'm just excited, man. It was a good week for hockey fans, uh, Leafs fans. We got a new GM. Stuff to talk about. It's all you can ask for. We're relevant. So fuck it. Let's talk about it. Let's have some fun. And we have a, a Stanley Cup final in the uh, Stanley Cup final in the works. And comment down below, Leafs fans. 
do you want Florida to win the Stanley Cup so we can say that the Stanley that the Stanley Cup champ had to go through us? Or is it like, fuck them? We hope they get so Abuno's already shaken. Is that I think I know where he sits on this one. Hell no. Vegas all the way, baby. Yeah. VGK Whoa. all the way. Let's go to a game, Bruno. You want to jump on a plane and go to yeah, Vegas actually, for that's a not a bad idea. I'm down. Yeah. We got to up ESP our subscriber podcast. count to be able to. We got to up Vegas. our subscriber count to be able to afford it, though, I think. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to need like an extra 5,000 subscribers from this episode alone to afford Come on, guys. There's some motivation for everyone. Get us to Vegas. <laughs> if we add 5,000 subs, we'll go to Vegas and we'll do a pod from there. Oh, man. Yeah. We should, we should really, honestly, if we get 5,000 subs like yeah. by the end of the week, <laughs> then we got to fly out to Vegas for game yeah. one of the cup final. Yeah. Share it, everyone. But no, I, I'm right there with you, Lapore. Exciting time of year. A lot to be excited about over the next month, specifically, as we mentioned, with free agency in the draft. And we'll see if there's any fireworks in Leafland. It doesn't seem like there's going to be, just based on everything that we talked about and hearing Bradshaw Living address the the media and the public for the first time. But we'll see. Who knows? I mean, Living comes in and maybe a couple conversations later and Maybe a big move happens. So yeah. we'll see how that yeah. all plays out. Yeah. All right. That is going to do it for episode 106 of the Gluns for Punishment podcast or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. If you're a new listener or a longtime listener and you really enjoyed the show, we would appreciate it so much if you give us a five-star rating and review on either Apple or Spotify. And if you're watching us on YouTube and you really enjoyed this video, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment down below. Give us your thoughts on the Leafs hiring Bradshaw Living as their new GM. And while you're at it, hit the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. So for Michael Lapore, I'm Anthony Bruno. Everyone, enjoy the beginning of summer. And we will see what happens in Leafland over the next month. And we are going to be here to break everything down. So until then, have a good one. And we'll see you soon. Thanks, everyone.